Holy shnikes and lubed up shrikes. It's another sweet, sweet episode of the Culture Guitars. Don't ask me what a lubed up shrike is. I, uh, I don't know. You are a Muppet. I, I am a Muppet. <sighs> but I'm a proud and loud Muppet. <laughs> My name, speaking of Muppets, is Amino Acids Al. Oh, and man. We are going biological these last couple with weeks. With me, as ever, mm. is Caramel number six, Casper. <laughs> That's a mighty flavor. Yeah. <laughs> and special guest, Carnuba Wax, Charlie. Ma- oh, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know how to say your last name. Mustoler? Must- Close enough. Carnuba Wax sounds great, though. <laughs> You're waxy. <laughs> wax on, wax on. Yeah. yeah. You make things slide Car- faster. Carnuba Wax is like I mustache guess. wax, sex wax. You know, it's all kinds so, of things. Wow. It's for surfboards, man. You don't know that? No. Have you ever seen Point Break? Yeah, six bikes. Like, yeah, okay. six bikes. Put on your surfboard for traction. Okay. Well, yeah. that's it. Wax can gr- it can lube, it can grip, it can <laughs> clean, it can dirty, it can do it all. I saw Point Break like probably the last time, like fifteen years ago, and I think the, I've even watched the remake. Uh, yeah. But no. it was the remake. All I remember about that is it was like real bad. Yeah. I watched that one time. Yeah. It reluctantly even. <laughs> it's kind of like some movies just can't be remade and have the magic, and Point Break no. was one of them. Point Break was a pretty kind of like borderline cheesy movie already. For sure. But Gary Busey, come on. Uh, or Keanu. Or well, no, but like Swayze. <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah Gary Busey made that movie, man. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> no, I love Gary Busey. Um, but, you know, that one, like uh, Red Dawn. You okay. watch the original Red Dawn? It's no. fantastic. That's a great movie. I don't think I've movie. seen that one. Oh, you got to no, watch it. Oh, it's to watch great. It. It's so, it is exactly what you'd expect. Like, it's so height of the Cold War, Red Scare mm. 80s. It's brilliant. Excellent. It's amazing. Yeah. Any any remake of that would, by necessarily, have to be worse. You couldn't oh, do I, that. I, I have seen one of the remakes, the, 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 um, the one of the, you know, his brother. The words, yeah, the the yeah. I can't even remember his name right now. I don't remember That's his name either. Is Liam? Is it Liam? I thought it was was it yeah. I think Liam is his name. What's his Hem, name? Hemsworth. 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 Liam Hemsworth. Yeah. It's then, kind of like the Dynam or the, the guy, the Eddie Murphy thing. The original time that you, they do those movies, they're doing it with like honesty and like real intention, and yeah. then later mm-hmm. it's funny and kitschy and culty but like they didn't mean for it to be that way no. when they were doing it <laughs> yeah. they did it totally sincerely well, and that was the thing like the original red dawn it was like it was so hammy but fun to see who's in it oh patrick swayze charlie sheen you're kidding oh i get definitely gotta watch like, this then every glorious 80s actor perfect <laughs> yeah um and the and the remake was like they tried to make it so dramatic <laughs> it was just like oh you guys are killing me it's terrible. <laughs> so anyway, we're doing this thing again. We yeah, we're, always, we're, we're, how do we yeah. always end up talking about old movies on the show? Know. Well, man, we, we Gr- need to great minds think a alike. Second podcast, like remember that that one episode we wound up talking about movies uh, for two hours. Yeah, uh, vertical limit. Oh. <laughs> for like 20 minutes <laughs> that was, why did you bring that movie up again that was so climbing bad. extreme movie with nitroglycerin Dude. who takes nitroglycerin <laughs> up a mountain like raw nitro too, yeah raw in right yeah, yeah in jars yeah <laughs> yeah so if you shake it it, it explodes yeah, yeah. Exactly. not dynamite <laughs> something stable c4 no <laughs> no no, no. <laughs> jars of nitro 
any rock climbing movie is just out of control. That's like, basic safety equipment. It's <laughs> yeah, a jar yeah. of nitro on your belt. <laughs> How do you climb a mountain without that, man? And do you remember the beginning? I think it was with the first Mission Impossible. Like Tom Cruise is like one handed free soloing. No, in that's Moab. the second one. That's, that's the, the second one. Is that the second one? one? Yeah. He's just like <laughs> jumping like all these crazy things. It's just the most insane nonsense. Real, I know. That, movie. that was the one. That was the one that like because the first Mission Impossible came out and just kind of missed the boat on the everything extreme capital x thing yeah the second one came out and it, it was like we're not missing out on that energy again yeah, there was, that was, was the like one with the motorcycle, motorcycle stuff. Stuff. yeah yeah yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> quick get metallic on the soundtrack and get limb biscuit to do the theme song what everybody wants wow rap metal version of the mission impossible theme yeah late late 90s <laughs> Yeah. Ep- epic it cinema was, it was great that might have been early 2000s of limp because limp did the theme song it's essentially the same time period Do i but, actually you know. have to look hey that up? was my time period man i was me too me too <laughs> i'm born in 1986 child of the 90s nice i was uh 81 i'm 83 look at us old farts <laughs> it feels that way, doesn't it? We kind that's of why we wrong. like. Th- that's why we like movies because we went to like Blockbuster as kids and spent hours trying to pick out a movie. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Oh, that was like that was a whole part of the uh, part of the experience of the, of the Friday evening, right? Like you weren't just watching the movie; you were going to Blockbuster and arguing for an hour about what to get. <laughs> the thing I remember at Blockbuster is they had, you know, they'd have the sh- the cover in front with like empty and then they'd have the yellow boxes behind it and so you'd see the movie and you'd be like oh i'm grabbing it and you'd grab it and it, there wouldn't actually be a movie and they were all sold out so you yep. get and it would happen over and over you'd just be like oh yes this no oh, this one no <laughs> so you guys both actually nailed this mission impossible 2 came out in 2000 hey, hey, like hey, we hey, get on the split <laughs> right on the line now yeah. i can hear the theme song in my head so uh, let's get that out of my brain you want to do the culture <sighs> guitarist one again? No, no. <laughs> I mean, I do like our theme song, but <laughs> all right, let's 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 get into it. Um, what have each of us been up to this week? Let's launch it off of. Uh, let's go with you, Charlie. What have you been up to this week? This week, a lot of just random building, but uh, I got a new synthesizer. And I finally figured out how to sync it with my drum machine. And so I've been working on like weird sequences on uh, and then playing over top of it. Just trying to do like electro dark synth wave loopy stuff. Cool. I do. All yeah, that I do a lot of that, too. Uh, this Un- is a guitar show. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like guitar over top of it. It's just to get that like underneath I, thing going so I can do the shreds. Over top. I still haven't even figured out how to like play guitar along to like the radio. <laughs> i'm serious well, hard, man i just never do that i probably it, could, it's hard anyway. to make the synthy thing like more guitar friendly and less like really electronic and what i figured out is just add rests to the sequence you oh. know if you add rest to the sequence it chops it up and gives it a little bit more rhythmic nature so it's not as much of this this like kind of you know melodic arpeggiated droney thing in the background it's more of a baseline almost Rest in the sequence. Yeah, it wasn't. I was watching videos. You know, someone was like, "Put a rest in." I was like, "Rest in the sequence?" Blew my mind. Ah, that's that's like that's some straight up Annie Sue's. Oh, how do I know how to say her last name? 
Um, Annie Suzlowski. She's, yeah. she's she's the queen of drone and. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah! Awesome pedal demos and stuff. And you got me, and stuff. man. I have no idea. I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I, she's amazing. Yeah. And uh, I've never heard her last name pronounced out loud, and I feel bad because I really want to say it properly. Uh, you just ask her. She's she's a very nice person. She's the nicest. Yeah, and Sulakowski, I think. That, that's how it's yeah that's how it's read off the paper i guess yeah. yeah she has the most i love how you know she has like a cabinet full of the pedals and she'll like curate each night's like arrangement and drone which is something that i am unable to do i like put pedals on a pedal board and like move pedals on and off the pedal board so the arrangement doesn't really change that much and she's always mixing it up it's so cool yeah she's she's amazing man she is the only person that made me really want to buy one of those new Fender Acoustasonic Jazz Masters. Yeah. Like the stuff she was doing with that thing. When like those when Fender launched those things and every guitar influencer on the internet was like putting out a video at the exact same moment. Um are we talking about the like acoustic sound hole shaped offsets? Yeah. And tellies yeah. and all the, oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, not the not the telly, the, the new one. But the, I mean they made a jazz master one and and the telly I, I think had less purchase like it didn't take the the jazz master one because it has all these sims inside of it like it's i think a more complex beast yeah and and fender's marketing was like i'll give them this it was on point <laughs> like every influencer yeah. at the exact same time just like bam here's a demo video um and they were all kind of the same thing like here's the features but hers she was just like she was like she like just did this beautiful music all these beautiful ideas with it and then it was like I, I did that using this 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 and this and it was like yeah now i want to buy one of those things like holy crap man <laughs> she's yeah anyway so uh, this is your show not hers <laughs> no but still definitely check out uh annie Sul- Sulikowski, Sul- I, Sulikowski. Yeah. yeah annie Sulikowski and uh good those guitars are flipping expensive yeah they're not cheap. oh well, that's what i was saying if, if when squire comes out wow. with version, i'll take a look i know they're like two thousand dollars <laughs> oh i'm like st- reverb pretty steady 26 50 2700 uh, canadian yeah. Uh, oh yeah 20 yeah oh canadian yeah your money funny money <laughs> Listen, how many don't get us <laughs> into your stupid freedom units of temperature okay <laughs> that's like okay. episode four or five in a row that we've made fun of fahrenheit just, i know just putting a little no, I agree. in that i i i, I agree 100 percent. fahrenheit is insane insane like <laughs> even even if even if like the rest of the even if there were more countries in the rest of the world that used fahrenheit it still would be insane but and the fact that we're also like the holdouts makes no sense well, there's like there's like two others but the, i can't remember who they are how many countries there are in the world well, yeah <laughs> yeah but there's like yeah there's, but like you can count no it on one hand uses. but the countries that use it are like the u.s Liberia, yeah, like it's a couple like other countries that are not known for having their stuff together. <laughs> it's like one of those. Well, they're, and like, they're, they're too afraid to come out of the colonial boot, you know, and piss us off. <laughs> they're like, we actually use metric for everything, but we'll just go along with these crazy Yankees about the inch or whatever. <laughs> well, you know, okay, so metric system is better for measurement and it's more precise. But I will actually grant you, I still prefer thinking in inches and feet and meters I the only way i think that it's better is temperature because you have more in the in the human occupied range of temperatures fahrenheit has more nuance than celsius kelvin or whatever right so wow. you can when you say oh it's 23 or it's 26 
for me, that's like a 15 to 20 degree difference. And for you, it's three or four degrees, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. and I, so that nuance allows me to understand, oh, oh, it's 70, not 80, which does make a difference, <laughs> you know, whereas you guys, it's 23, 24. Well, it's hot. I don't know, you know, or whatever. So I, that's the only way everything else I think is very stupid. Yeah. But and it's, like, okay, look at it this way. Water freezes at zero. That's true. Yes. It also, it also, Freezes at 32 degrees. See, that's confusing. That's just. <laughs> or 273 Kelvin. You know? Yeah, what is that nonsense? Anyway, let's. Get, okay. <laughs> what have you been up to, Casper? <laughs> um, So I got to play an SG today. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What else? I don't know, man. Not a lot. Just been. What, what color was that SG? It's like a natural. Oh, it's uh, so we talk about the because that was yeah, kind of my yeah. thing as well. It's, okay, it's, yeah, and I, I don't, I didn't our, do anything but that really. Our combined thing, so I talked about it on the show a little bit. Helped uh, score a 1972 uh, Gibson SG standard for our buddy Eric Merrill, who is fundamentally flawed as a left-handed player. And uh, <laughs> is this, that when this, they is that they had just come out more or less then? Like they're like two, three years old as yeah, a model. I think so. uh, no, the SG came out in '61. It was still called, the but as, oh, okay. as left-handed, I don't think they were offered until. I don't know. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Any any example you can see of players playing I, left-handed guitars were all usually right-handed. I think flipped they were guitars. earlier left-handed ones, but okay. they're, they're super not common. No, really uncommon. But, you know, this is like the early years of the Norlin era. I think, uh, I don't remember exactly when Norlin picked up Gibson, but the, this they'd started making some pretty significant changes to the model design at this point. Like, the neck is three pieces, the headstock is slightly bigger. It's not bound. Uh, it's got no binding, it's got these small block inlays, the fretboard is ebony, which is kind of neat. Um, but yeah, so I've had, I've had this guitar for about a week. Um, and it, it came with the world's crappiest gig bag. Mm. <laughs> and so I, I was, you know, getting trying to get it ready for shipping here. And I was just like, Eric, I, I don't feel good about shipping it. And this, it's not going to survive a trip in this bag, man. Um, so we, we picked up a case for it. And uh, then Eric specifically requested that it not get shipped until he could uh, get a couple of pictures and videos of Casper and I monkeying around with the thing. <laughs> Because the even he though it's a left-handed guitar, he immediately regretted that. Yeah, <laughs> even though it's a left-handed guitar, it's set up as a righty. Yeah, set up right. Um, and it's it's this beautiful, beautiful natural brown that has aged to like almost reminds me of like a Karina brown, but it's like perfection. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. And brand. the checking in the nitro is. Mm. perfection it's just a really really it smells old and dank but awesome (laughs) yeah (laughs) that just adds to the the really epic flavor (laughs) no it's a it's a nice machine man i i i for how weird it was to play whilst you know adjusting the volume and tone with my forearm (laughs) and and, you know pick up selecting into automatically into the (laughs) the the neck pickup because of my arm that's the yeah i've never it's the only like an SG shape wise makes a lot of sense for flipping to a left handed yeah. or right handed. Like it, right. it is it is somewhat offset. Yeah, there's a tiny bit of offset, but but even even upside down, it still kind of has a sexy it feels good. look to yep. it. Um, but the critical flaw is the SG's control layout is absolutely perfect when it's the right way around for whatever way you're playing it. But and when you flip it upside down, nightmarish. Those controls are more in the way than any other upside down guitar I've ever seen. I would say, like Tom Morello could probably. I was saying earlier, like he could probably play a left-handed without SG ever without ever controls, touching anything because yeah. of the way his guitar position and the way he holds his arm. But 
That's that, yeah, that's it's, he's it's the real, only one. It's real. Like it, I still have a circle on my arm from playing it, <laughs> uh, right in the meat of my forearm, and and it's <laughs> it's so hard to flip the switch or you adjust the knobs or anything. And so Eric's obviously going to convert it back to a lefty, like a like a proper the way heretic it, that he is. The way it belongs, uh, though, <laughs> and it's going to be an epic guitar for oh, him. Yeah. I'm super excited for him because he he absolutely loves the SG he has now, mm-hmm. and it, this is going to be that. You know the it's, pinnacle of, it's like of a that cornerstone of of his friendship and his, our, our mine and his friendships is like we're both fanatics about SGs yeah. and specifically seventies SGs. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it was yeah that was why like I wouldn't drive that much <laughs> to right. pick up an SG for a lot of people, but I'll do it for Eric because <laughs> it's, it's a seventies SG. <clears throat> so there was a time that I was looking to get a like a Tele Thin Line from Vancouver. And, you know, I just, I couldn't get there. I would have been willing to. <laughs> I, know. You know, I even offered. <laughs> I know. You were like, How no, far is Vancouver? Vancouver's four hours. About, uh, four oh, okay. Hour. Yeah. yeah, not short. No, so, it's not. Yeah, I just couldn't get there with I, my work schedule. I, and stuff I did it all in going. one day to get this guitar, and it was a, I was tired. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I have a bad back, and I walk with a cane. By the time I got home that night, it was definitely like, okay, I was going to take some painkillers and go to La La Land now. <laughs> <laughs> I was tired. The um, SG that I remember the most is the one that Carlos Santana's playing at Woodstock. Because oh, as a yeah. kid, that that video, yeah. you know, we watched that show at like age 13, 14, 15. And it just like set us, me and my friends, on the path of rock and roll. And of course, you know, I didn't know then that that was like a breakout moment for them. We just assumed Santana had always been famous. We didn't realize how like how important that show was for them. But I'll, I, when I think SG, I just think, but in that, like the beginning yeah, of yeah. the soul oh, sacrifice, like, that's you know, that classic early mid sixties SG, like, boom, that's, mm-hmm. that's the model, man. Um, we, there's some fun things about this guitar though. Like in addition to some of the like spec changes that they started making, um, I didn't, I'd never seen this before. And it wasn't until I was sending Eric detailed pictures the other night that I was like, Eric, this guitar might be a refinish because there's fret marker dots on both sides of the fretboard. <laughs> and on a guitar that's been converted from left-handed to right-handed, it's like, well, is this this can't be factory. Surely somebody did this when they... No, but it, and it's a strange, like, the, the way the finish is browned, it's like, I've never seen one this color. So it, it just was like, hmm... And then Eric did some digging and found some pictures of other ones from around the same time, same model, and they both they all have fret dots on both sides of the fretboard. Yeah. So what it turns out is that Gibson was lazy mm-hmm. and <laughs> made one fretboard to fit mm-hmm. them all. For both, yeah. And then when they convert, then when they put it on a left-handed one, they just added some more dots. Yep. <laughs> That's just hilarious. Which is yeah. <laughs> I mean, so like I mean, okay, I guess okay. Why wouldn't you just not drill the dots until you knew a guitar it was on? Yeah, but they but they just didn't put that much effort into the left-handed guitars, obviously. Well, <laughs> it's just a, it's just one of those funny things of like that that quality control. There's a weird way it started slipping in the Northern era, represented well, by yeah, and that's when stuff started to get more. They were making more guitars, more factory esque, right? Like they yeah. were the production was getting much bigger very quickly. In yeah, because the because the, the carved binding was gone. So, um, oh, 
<laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad you visually interrupted the podcast. You could have kept talking. I could not. You know, I have the. I have the so okay. I am distracted uh, like a here. goldfish. <laughs> Everybody, I apologize, but normally we don't have video uh, chats, um, and so normally this is an audio thing. But right now, um, Charlie's looking at the roof on my iPad, and I see green actually now. Okay, <laughs> I don't so know what but, I'm looking at. Um, I, you, what you don't realize is that Charlie just put his foot up on the desk <laughs> in front of the camera, and he's got the most wicked socks on. <laughs> and so I turned my iPad around to show Al, and he immediately I, was yeah, like, I was, I was gone. <laughs> it was a hardcore distraction. It was so great. They're like, I forgot the camera fell over. <laughs> well, the rainbow socks are glorious, I guess. <laughs> it's a great, man. Yeah. It's, great. it's the Rasta triple color. As you say, it's oh, okay. Jamaica. I didn't get a good enough look at them. So it's like <laughs> almost Navajo Jamaica, though. It's, they're awesome, man. Those are great socks. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, jeez. Well, let's fire into it, man. Um, Charlie, give us uh, give us the hows and the whys of Cascade and Charlie. How did you end up doing what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, that's, it, I guess, a lot similar to a lot of people in the kind of DIY pedal building scene. Like, I'm the kind of person who, you know, takes things apart. Like, my fridge is broken, and I've got the fridge in pieces immediately. Like, what's wrong in here? And so I actually had been laid up from a knee surgery and just started to, like, refurbish my guitar. This was, like, four and a half, five years ago. And I just, like, you know, took my old Epiphone S... Um, Les Paul that I'd had since I was a child, like my only real guitar ever, and just like did a total rework of it. And then I found a Stratocaster in a storage unit and rebuilt that. And then I was like, well, what do I do next? Well, let me let me build an amp. And so I built an amp kit. And then I was like, oh, well, let me let me build some pedals. And immediately after building pedals, I like didn't really just my first couple of pedals were kits. And then I was pretty bored immediately with like normal enclosures and that so i started to do weird paint jobs and like take my collection of weird found objects and i love going to yard sales and stuff and so i just thought of putting pedals into weird things that i found and started to do that and people wanted to buy the pedals and it's like i know a lot of people who they just started to build and then since their friends are musicians and there was the demand for some amount of custom like i want exactly this right i want these three pedals in one box for my board and so there was a demand among friends and people to buy pedals and then you just like you start going down the rabbit hole and ordering parts and then you're just like well what can i build what can i learn and I'm not an electrical engineer, of course, but um, I did give myself like a boot, you know, uh, boot camp EE training with a couple, you know, electrical engineering books, electrical engineering 101 and such breadboards and just started to do it. And it's, it, I don't know, something about the combination of making physical things and actually having, you know, graphics and art and then the circuit design itself being able to play it like it combines a lot of different interests of mine from computer programming and physical stuff and painting. And so I, all of that together, I just kind of got obsessed with it. And um, it's been a great, you know distraction from real life i mean and then it became a thing where it's like i'm you know selling hundreds of pedals a year i mean i'm still a small company i'd love to grow even larger um 
but as a side gig, um, it's been very meaningful. You know, it's been, it's felt worthwhile. I've met so many amazing people through the pedal community that have been both helpful, but also supportive, um, that it's, it's been really, I was surprised because I'd always just played music, um, and never really paid any attention to like the gear, which is kind of funny to then be like running a pedal company. Um, but until when I was a kid, we just played in like, my friends had a, they had a bomb shelter in their basement, like a real 19th, 60s 50s cold war bomb shelter and so we played music down there and no one could hear us outside of it we could barely hear ourselves inside of it because the walls are three feet thick concrete and the acoustics are awful you know but we just like played it was it was like essentially punk rock in spirit because it didn't really matter what we sounded like like it was the act more than the product and, and it really like, doesn't matter what you sound like in a concrete box because it sounds like a concrete box <laughs> exactly <laughs> loud and echoey, just, i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> exactly and i've always just like jammed and like to play music like i've never been someone who records music and such so for me all i needed was a guitar and whatever gears available and like let's play you know um of course now i have an enormous monster wet dry pedal board rig set up <laughs> so I totally swung the pendulum to the other side um that tends to happen to the guys we know that make mm-hmm. pedals for some reason well yeah because you can make whatever you want <laughs> that's the thing is at the end of the day you're like oh i want that so let me just make it oh that's dude that's it's an it's a familiar feeling story, but at the same time, it's not like it doesn't get old. It's a good story, you know. Yeah, that, am I making uh, sense there? Yeah, no, totally. I think I do have a little bit of a kindred sense with people like Aisha Lowe or say uh, Putro Sehat effectors out in Indonesia, like people who oh, like. Oh, dude, you just named two of the coolest builders out there, right? right now. Totally, oh. and 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 I like I love and I feel like. Um, like I actually found some Atari controllers one day when I was looking for enclosures myself oh. at a, and I was like, Alicia, do you want these? So I just like sent her some, you know, and it's like that idea of like going to yard sales or, you know, like at, I, out here in North Carolina, there are tons of like permanent outdoor market flea market things and you could just find all sorts of crazy stuff uh, and and that's always been like like i've awesome. in terms of like i have we were talking about the sg i have an sg that i made myself and it has like inside of it it has like three pedals you know it's got a yes. distortion it's got a delay oh, it's got God. it's got a plexiglass back the back of it is all plexiglass <laughs> so you can see all of, so it's noisy as heck you right? are There's, my people the show i need has, to figure out uh, i need to figure out a way to ground to my kind. <laughs> yeah. like i have a lego guitar i recently you were talking about how the, the dots are on both sides i actually turned a canoe paddle into a bass and because it's a canoe paddle of course it can be played by people left and right and I have a friend who's a lefty guitarist, Charlie. so I pu- I put dots on both sides of the canoe paddle just because, like, why? Hey, might of, as well. <laughs> one of my side hobbies that I very infrequently tackle into, but I I do, is building guitars out of lunch pails or. Oh, awesome! I've done a tin. I've got a Nintendo a that's getting ready yeah, for. 
Well, actually, it's not a guitar. It's a three-string slide machine, right? So I took a yeah. broken canoe paddle. I took the broken canoe paddle and put it into a Sesame Street tin. And then, <laughs> or no, it's a Muppets tin. It's like, it's Muppets. It's Miss Piggy and family. It's like a, fa yes. it's like a family picture of oh the Muppets. You and I were and meant I, to be friends, sir. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And I, that's the thing is, so like I strip parts from stuff too. Like I just like, so I have like, I mean, it's the weirdest, like I, I, I'll see something on the side of the road and I'll like go grab it and take the parts from it. So I have like joysticks for who knows what, like sometime in the future, like I may need these arcade parts for, I don't know what, you know, like that's definitely, so it's easy for me to go out to the garage and like go through the assorted bin of giant enclosures to find weird stuff from. I generally, it's hard to find small enclosures. That's actually the real difficult thing. People, obviously, size matters on the modern player's pedal board. And so to find the wacky enclosures that are also functional for a player in today's world where you know, putting a like old FM radio on their board is probably not going to happen. So while that is super cool, you know, your, your market is more limited. Like I made a bunch of cameras starting you know, out. I don't know if I can entirely get behind that. I, I cause I like just to see, but not back everybody's to like Aisha, us, but, but not everybody's I, I know, like I know, us. But, and there are people that really, really I, I, maximize I, the finite my space. My pedal board space is, is definitely in, in, high value for me when I'm, especially when I'm touring. But I think about Aisha's and those, uh, oh, I forget what she calls the it. But those FM thingy. The FM, the FM thingy. thingy, yeah. Those mm -hmm. things are gargantuan, and she sells them the instant she puts them out. Just, but they're amazing. Just because they're that cool, you yeah. know? And well, yeah, you think about someone art. like Heinbach, who's making music with giant uh, test equipment, you know? So yeah. certainly, there's a, but there's I, a crowd for your, it. Your market, like the guitar world, you think about how many guitarists, how much money do guitarists generally have to spend on stuff? Have you met and dentists so, and lawyers? <laughs> well that's true too but but they're not necessarily the people no, buying they're like not the buying the really cool stuff. The, the muppet tin fuzz you know they're buying so, paul reed smiths and then they're buying an original clone and <laughs> i mean like those those uh scooby-doo things i made were like the perfect mix or like her uh, aisha's atari controllers are perfect are fantastic. it's like you know because so cool. it's right on the border from being like a weird cool item but also being somewhat practical so you you know um the guys who who are still because that's the, i think also the pandemic has allowed a lot of people to like for me for example the synths and stuff to branch out a little bit because you've got time at home you're not taking your rig everywhere you go to you know buy bigger stuff try new things um but i do think that you know a lot of guys are still torn, you know, like many musicians have more or less still been playing because they have to. And if they're, oh, if there's work of some sort, right. So yeah. I don't know, uh, yeah. trying, trying, trying to make things that are, I mean, that's why it's like, I've made a mix. I was convinced into making small pedals. Like the Hostortion was someone who was buying some of my one-off clones and was like, you know, I love this circuit as you do too. And I've tried every single clone out there and this one is the best. You need to make a production version of this and you need to make it small and you need, and it will sell. And so I've, I'm trying to still do a mix, you know, where I make a bunch of weird stuff that's one off. And then I have the like production line um, that's been 
engineered in a way that it's relatively easy for me to build. I also offer a lifetime warranty. So it's very important for me to make sure that mm. the, the quality of everything is very high, but also that the repairability of it is very high. Well, um, I, I can, I, I can definitely appreciate that. Um, and speaking of things I appreciate about your work, I, I, I know you and I talked about this a uh, pretty, pretty good on Instagram already, but I just want to on air. Um, <laughs> compliment you for your fine taste in 70s sci-fi artwork i hate you you love me i hate you, you because this I, was coming uh, because i yeah, absolutely 100 percent agree man some <laughs> of this even like like what is this pedal you made that's got the rabbits on it like, okay, that's so not that, sci-fi at all, no, but that's like just give me my give me my moment. Magnificent! To just, come like, on, let me massage his ego here, and then we can talk <laughs> about the stupid rabbits. The rabbits are interesting, but the sci-fi too. I'm a huge fan. Oh, I've always it. been a you know. I read Heinlein as a kid and was like, "What is sci-fi?" And then like, I, I that's mostly what I read is sci-fi. Now. Yeah, oh, it's it's the best, man. But like, I I I just blew me away seeing that. That pedal with the with with the, is it Daryl Sweet? The yeah, Daryl Sweet, and it's from um, that book. That I didn't know it was from that book. I've seen it in a collection, um, of a, you know, a pictorial collection of <laughs> 70s sci-fi art. But yeah, that's it's so great. The, I mean, it's just like also for like a one knob fuzz. Yeah. It, it's it's a dead astronaut. You know, it's like oh man, it's but, right up there in that stoner grunge doom <laughs> kind of like. I've I've got that. I've got a print of the book Inherit the Stars with this painting. Oh, is the cover of the book and so I, i've got a print of the cover of the book so it has the, the book title and all that stuff and then seeing you use it on like the front of a pedal was just like oh my gosh <laughs> it's like, well, i love the one-offs like that because i have yeah. a really good printer and the epoxy technique allows you to print whatever you want and get it really nice and durable and shiny and protected mm -hmm. um so i i love culling for old things and you know that's a i'm only going to do one or two of those since it is you know, Daryl Sweet probably has a minor estate of books and stuff. But the other, the rabbits, the nice thing about that is that's medieval artwork. So it's creative commons. It's, you know, no one's yeah. coming to claim the copyright of it. And uh, I don't, I, so I just, you know, I'm interested in many, many things. And I have so many folders where I save different types of oh, artwork. Awesome. And so you they and, published, yeah. You and you and Kevin LeClerc from. Uh, oh, totally. Sounds, Sounds Yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. You're, you're um, I love it. And so the, the, the medieval stuff at some point, the like Smithsonian, or I don't even know who, but someone like had digitized and scanned all these old medieval, you know, like parchments or whatever, and made them all available. So I just spent like two days going through thousands and thousands of images looking for it. There's specifically all these weird animals. So like there's snails, there's rabbits and they're like it's like a snail on like a horse jousting a knight or something Love like it. that you know <laughs> and like or like a, there's one where there's a rabbit on another rabbit's shoulders jousting and it's just like oh my god it's like so, the wind and the willows as the nightmare i remember it as as a, like a young child <laughs> it's it's very weird stuff and they'll be like in the margins too so instead of being framed art which i've used some of those for pedals too where it's kind of like they've They've got like golden fringed framing around the image on the 
larger parchment, all the, the snails and the, the weird animals and the like beasts, they would just like pepper them into the text. So they tend to be on like a blank background, which makes them perfect for using in graphics and stuff. <laughs> and, and this one, I mean, this one I love so much because it literally like, it's like the, the rabbits are like a goon squad and they came to take this like priest or something and like show them a, a rough them up a bit. And they're like about to, they're about to take it. like a, a rope or something and like strangle him. The other guy's holding his neck back. The rabbit goon squad it's out to so give the vicious, old priest man. a blanket just... party in the back alley. Just... But then again, for a one knob, like doomy kind of fuzz, the color sound platform of of fuzz is kind of a you know it's it's a bright, loud, velcroy sound. <laughs> yeah, what's funny? I'm I'm on your Instagram now, and I'm looking at this this image, I love it. and I'm realizing that my brain saw the the Daryl Sweet print. On the and one knob didn't fuzz. Even and look didn't even, at the rabbits. Yeah, I didn't even see the other pedal. I just, <laughs> <laughs> see, it's funny. It's like I, I really love the sci-fi one, but it was like this medieval art stuff is like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's awesome. It's so awesome. I was just so yeah, distracted. Early on, sci-fi. I made a whole run of uh, medieval. I called them the bestiary series because that's what these some of these come from, like these early on essentially encyclopedias of animals around the world but like half the animals are totally fictional you know like the griffin and stuff like that um and so i made a whole like early or this was like three or four years ago a series of one-offs that were all using this art and <laughs> i just had i just had these enclosures sitting around and i i've ran out of uh the Scooby-Doo fuzz that I make, I can't really make those anymore because I think I bought up all of the enclosures that are like not $75. Um, Cause there's people reselling them now. And like, I guess since I made a demand for them, people are like, Oh, these will sell for like, people are buying these. So I will. And so now there's like, you know, you can, whereas I could get them for between six and $18 and then maybe a little more with shipping on eBay. Now those things run for like, Fifty dollars plus shipping, and so they're a little bit out of my reach, and uh, so it's a bit of a bummer. But but I love the circuit, and I've got these little things. So I just you know I, I like doing one offs because I'm it keeps me from getting bored. I love it. It's got it. Yeah, it keeps you from getting bored, and it keeps it keeps the man. It, I got it keeps the hunger fresh. I'll say that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you, I love the the series that you did of like the Zappa pedals and stuff. I I tagged my my buddy. Um, he fronts a group called Apollo Suns, and he's just a huge. Oh, I gave fan. him one. Yeah, I sent him one because he was super vibing on it, and so he paid cost and shipping for one, and I made him that harmonic energy. Oh, oh, that's super. Generous. He's gonna. That's he's gonna. Man. Well, he's gonna now. Now, as he's like, oh, I'll make a demo, and, and it's like, well, you're recording. Do whatever you want. I don't care about a demo, but he'll do something. But yeah, for people who like Zappa, that pedal allows them to achieve what they may hear in their head you you couldn't have done it to a nicer guy ed is one of the nicest dudes he's such a good guy uh that that makes me really happy that you did that for him (laughs) it's on there i used his artwork too it's on the instagram scroll down a little bit and it's his little like you know tower uh the the ionian column thing or whatever um on yeah i saw that like that's yeah that's so cool man like yeah those things have been selling pretty good because i had i guess people's I mean, generally, I think it's people who like Zappa. You know, you're the sounds that you, you can make a kind of like parked cocked wah sound that's a little different than wah's parked cocked wah sound that is more full, I think, and a little more like 
there's something happen when the when it like maxes out at the peak it gets really sharp and loud in a kind of way that sometimes you know the filter has like a gain response to it where you can kind of like dig in and make it bite a little more um but other than that a lot of the sounds you could make are weird it would be making your sound your guitar sound really like flubby and full or very like narrow and you know zapple would use it very specifically in his recordings um and sometimes on stage too. Mm-hmm. Dweezil actually, I gave one to Dweezil too. Oh, um, that's awesome, man! And, and so Dwe- Dweezil's got one. He's a cool. He's man. Talk about a guy who's like got no ego, has just handled like this immense legacy that was totally. kind of handed to him with just such style and grace. Like, what a cool dude! <laughs> I mean, if you had to live up to your dad, you think about it. Like, wouldn't you rather be like like and just any other guitarist's son, you know, like, I mean, literally being Frank Zappa's son, it's like, other other than like the best of the best guitarists of all time. I mean, the amount of like musical say he didn't, wasn't interested necessarily in music as he was the task for a normal person of like tackling Zappa's discography is insane. Right. And so even as a musician to then impart upon that, like that journey of trying to learn all of his music and play it like reasonably accurately. I mean, that is just, if anyone who's familiar with Zappa understands how insane that, that project is. And he was like, he was touring and playing with his dad at like 16. He was just a kid. Like there's, it's well, yeah. He, I mean, there's great video of him, like when his dad has cancer and stuff, and him and his sister, like being these very mature, like people at mm-hmm. age like thir- thirteen. You know, that's that's rarefied territory to be the the child of someone like who's already just a a prodigy of a musician. I should do that in the mic more often. Hey, those heavy peas. Yeah, please. <laughs> Loving the plosives, buddy. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> um, but to, to, to be able to keep up in your own way is just, there, there's like, there's almost nobody that can do that. You know, like Wolfgang. Um, oh, that's Halen's, who I was thinking of, Van Halen. Totally. You know, like he's going about it in his own way. He's making this really interesting music that's nothing like his dad's. And or Sean Sean Lennon, for example. Say, yeah, Sean Lennon is also like, what a, what a like Sean's the nightmare one for me because I I'm not as familiar with Zappa as I am the Beatles, or and and with Lennon's work. Um, mm-hmm. Being being Sean Lennon to just be like, okay, money's not going to be my issue, but boy, is it going to be hard to stand on my own two feet at anything? I mean, ever. I can't <laughs> even imagine. I can't even imagine picking up a guitar as him. Being oh, like right? you would, you would think the impulse to stay so far away from music would be oh, like my dad, over, you know, my yeah. dad both like <laughs> defined what the pinnacle of pop rock can be, and no one has ever topped it since. So that's great. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like my dad's well, a painter, <laughs> and you you run around with your like, you know, you run around with their baggage too. Like you, your his name is Sean Oko. Lennon, so it's like immediately you are brought to think about his parents. Like you cannot oh, yeah. think of him absent his parents. What a, what a tough is, thing to carry into like trying to do your own totally. music and stuff. Like how many oh. interviews do you think he's gotten through without being asked about being John Lennon's son? 
Totally. Although I have to say, the him and Les Claypool together, what they've been doing, they are that is such good music. That's it's really, really interesting, awesome. isn't it? I really like it. I have, I've always been a Claypool fan. Uh, um, oh, Casper's. I am not aware. The, the Lennon Claypool. Oh, what do they call it? Delirium. Delirium. Thank you. Let's yeah. look it up. Um, and just talk about guys I wouldn't have predicted would fit well together, but they, you know. Les Claypool and Sean. <laughs> Sean yeah, well, Les Claypool tones himself. I mean, it's not. That's the other thing about Les Claypool. Like Les Claypool, we imagine him to be like the primus bassist, which of course <laughs> he is. But you know, he can. He he doesn't always have to be like no, jumping no, up and down see, and playing I, like a chicken. I had only, and this is just you know my experience, and maybe a lot of other people had had, had checked out other stuff with him, but. My experience with Les Claypool was Primus or his other goofy stuff that he was primarily leading. So it was always Les like, Claypool's bucket of Bernie brains, yeah, for example. Exactly. I saw them live once as a kid, and it was unbelievable. You have Bernie Worrell, uh, Les Claypool, and Buckethead in in a club, like in a small venue. Yeah, and good it, luck toning that down. <laughs> no, no, it, yeah, no, no, no. The most insane music you've ever heard. So, so like much. That, that's why, like, when, when the Lennon-Claypool Delirium came out, it was just like, what the heck? How did Les, like, was Les just bored the whole time? Because, like, he's, he is, he's, and it's well, one I mean, of those it's things, a, like, Flea can, play, Flea can do almost anything, but he can also tone himself down to just three notes if that's what it takes. Yeah. Well, it's like Stuart Copeland and Les Claypool and Trey Anastasio coming together to form a band. It's like, wait, what? These three people? You're putting (laughs) Fish, the Police, and Primus in the same band? Like, how how does that cookie taste? It doesn't imagine that it's going to be good, but it's great. You know, it's its its own weird thing. But but it's crazy because it's not like the Traveling Wilburys where you're like, I kind of know what this is going to sound like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you did. <laughs> this is like, you had no idea what this is going to sound like, and you were wrong if you thought you did. And, and yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, that, that's how the delirium actually hit me. I was actually surprised at what it was. It was more kind of proggy rock than I thought it would be. Like, less, I just, you imagine less people to be very staccato and like quick bass riffing where he's moving up and down the neck and he's mm-hmm. really ripping. You know that very staccato, and it's it's not it's not so much of that. You know, yeah. it's much more kind of I still uh, psych- psychedelic music. Like than thirty years in, man, it still blows my mind how that dude plays five and six string fretless basses. <laughs> like, dude, some of my best shows ever have been Primus shows. I mean, they do put they used to put on some of the best concerts you could ever see. Totally, Larry Lalonde to me, like even if I didn't like the song, Larry Lalonde blew my mind with his guitar playing. <laughs> Have you ever seen them? Have you ever seen them on Saturday Night Live? Yeah, where yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the mix is awful, and so you can barely hear less, and all you're hearing is him going, and the guitar is just like right on top, like slamming, yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, this sucks because so many people would like this music if they could actually have so, an engineer so who had heard it before. How Larry had this sense of like just step back and let the drums and less do everything, and just keep this like ambient almost support role and then when he cut loose it was just like oh my gosh the man's a phenom like where did well and he would from? also like break like i i appreciate that idea of like playing dissonant notes and and then and, and kind of an antagonistic sound and then weaving that back in like you know when you first hear him play guitar sometimes 
you know, your average, you know, jazz listener is going to be repulsed by it, right? And I love that, the idea of like turning traditional understanding of what a guitar could be. I mean, it's like Tom Morello or something, you know, doing something just very unique and different where you hear it and you're like, oh, mm -hmm. that's this, that's this player. And they don't, and some bands do it too. Like I like fish for that reason. Sometimes fish will just like stop playing and be like, bim, burder, burder, and they'll kind of like sound like the records dying. And then they'll like start playing again and be like, what is happening? And the, you know, the song just degenerates for a second and breaks apart. It's like the, you know, a, a silent jam, but instead of a silent jam, it's dissonance. I, I really do love, I, I don't know. I'm a, it's like the trickster, the Loki kind of musician, the people who are messing with their audience. <laughs> I love that description. <laughs> well, it's like it, beco it becomes an inside joke eventually too, right? Then you're on the inside once you know they're, but initially it's very much seems like they're playing a joke. On yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm going to spin it back around here. I want to get, to, I, I'm the most, ra I'm the, I should not be interviewing anybody ever. <laughs> the, you, you're a rabbit trailer and we get so, we get so much interesting content out of that. It's fine. But my rabbit trails tend to become like rabbit quests and you see the rabbit nine months later and he's missing an ear. And he's missing, yeah, and he's got a long beard. <laughs> oh, that rabbit's seen some stuff. Um, I, I have questions about the cameras. Yeah. Like, what led you down that path? What got you to turn something so not particularly small or even remotely related to guitar into something? Because I used to have, uh, like, a, a Brownie Hawkeye when I was when I was young. I got it as, like, a, like a hand-me-down from a great-granddad. It was, like, this Kodak camera that I had no idea how to use. And I toted it around for years and years and years and years. And then finally I just I lost track of it in a move somewhere, but... To see that you made a pedal out of a, a Kodak Brownie Hawkeye is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, so I, my, I, what I, my day job and what I've done traditionally is photography, oh. um, all, all sorts of photography, everything from journalism to weddings to commercial work, headshots. I mean, I've done it all, drone stuff. I do a lot of drone stuff. Now, that was also part of my way into pedals is I had been building drones. So I got good at tinkering and soldering and putting circuits together. And so that once my injury had happened, it wasn't like out of nowhere that I was interested in electronics. The drones had gotten me in and I'd gotten into drones because I wanted to take pictures from this guy. Um, so I had always, I have like a modest old crappy camera collection just of like weird things that my grandparents have given me people like hand me you know they know you're a photographer they're like hey do you want this old camera stuff and like some of it you're like no this is but some of it you're like oh definitely i'll put that on a shelf and so then back when i was really looking for interesting housings and different things i was like oh my god some of these i found that actually the early cameras the box pinhole cameras are not good because they tend to be made out of they're pretty fiber. Fragile, they're like yeah. fiber paper. It's, it's board like cardboard, yeah, it's cardboard. exactly. <laughs> it's cardboard, yeah. and so they don't really work very well. Then you get to the brownies that were made out of bakelite, and those work great, but you have to be really careful because it's literally 30s bakelite, and they're still pretty um, fragile. <laughs> drill, drilling them can, you know, and also drilling. You have to like I learned. Oh, don't breathe this stuff in. Like this is old plastic. <laughs> this is not the kind of stuff you want to be breathing. You know, not like any new plastic. You know is what good sucks either. about it though? Like I've I've had to fix a few guitars with uh, old bakelite pickguards, pick and stuff cards, like yeah. that. 
And uh, have you ever like had to? to you, well, you've you've drilled it, so you, you were sanded it. Some of it smells real good. I'm just no, so, but, yeah, no, I mean it, it's it smells like when you burn your hair, and you're like, this is not a natural smell. Well, okay, I smelled other wrong. stuff that like almost had a sweet tinge to it. And it oh, the good like, stuff. I've yeah. never had good smell. I've ne- I've only okay. had I've only had burning like. You know when you burn plastic and you're like, okay, that's plastic. This didn't smell like that. This smelled like you were like burning something weird. Oh, and, that uh, that no, I didn't. I wasn't like snorting that stuff. But I, <laughs> I've 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 done some well, some stuff. There's where different. It's like, you're probably talking about more the brown bakelite, right? Yeah. When you open it up, it's tannish. Yeah, the cameras are all made out of this black bakelite, which is actually, I don't I don't understand enough about early poly resin you know development and stuff but the structure <laughs> seems to be it seems to be glossier and more rigid it's little, much more a like, little more plastic, plastic. this is a little more plastic it's like these cameras it's pre stuff, it's man. protoplastic it's pre-plastic yeah. yeah totally it's not not a petro product um but yeah so then any you know it's, it's just it was perfect for me and then people wanted those that's the thing like there's a couple other guys like those guys at the you know like in england there's a bunch of people making like cool weird uh, what are those guys named? Bad Penny. They're making a hyperfocal. Okay. They call it the hyperfocal fuzz, and they've come I up with a good that. solution where they that take company. a, yeah, they take a. So they take those cardboard ones we were talking about, and they've actually made their own aluminum wrap for mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. they they either etch or print onto those aluminum, and then they fold that around. So you've got now a rigid plate to have the pots and everything in, which is a very smart solution. I mean, those guys love to make more work for themselves, though. They're crazy. They make, like, wood pedals and stuff. I oh, mean, it's yeah. just... <laughs> yeah. Have you met it's Kevin Schoen? Yeah, one of our good buddies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know Ke- yeah. But, but Kevin, he does that because Kevin is, like, a, he's a perfectionist, and he really values creating, a, a, like, the best product that he can. So for him, each individual piece is, like, an work of art that he's going to spend 50 hours on whereas the bad penny guys are kind of like making they're releasing like pedals they have you could go to they have stock on their website it's not like shown stuff where it's you know each pedal is essentially its own thing um so i i just it seems like i'm trying to make as least work for myself as possible and making the best product because it's very easy to get behind as one person oh man you know you know as uh, Kev, Kev, I mean, we're all the Kev is, we're such good friends, the three of us, and uh, I have many long phone calls with the guy and helped him list, helped him build his reverb store and list stuff and stuff, <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, can definitely say one thing for sure it is that the the make more work for yourself to make each pedal its own beautiful piece of artwork thing, yeah, uh, you have to be in love with those results in that process because it's pure pain, it's yeah. pure pain to do that. Uh, I love Kevin's work. I would light myself on fire if I was trying to do that. Well, and you can see how it has taken a burden on him too. You know, it's hard to keep that level of quality and effort up, you know, in what is essentially a saturated pedal market. Like, you know, he's making things that I think if he had been making those pedals five to six years ago, he would have broken out so you could say and have a fair amount more demand but right now you know it is extremely difficult you're competing with people who are making crap products but are really good at advertising right Mm -hmm. and so if if your only selling point is essentially your artistry like that's that is a major selling point but it doesn't limit you know how 
oh, big and, and six and poor Kev much- like immediately like within a year of him starting to do pedals um there was another dude uh and i'm not gonna say where he is i'm not gonna say his name <laughs> but there's another dude out there that you, you can just tell he totally well, totally that you, you, have you noticed that happening with the vintage fuzz thing? So, like, yep. you have you have some people who make like like seeker effects who are making unbelievable vintage fuzzes, really really good ones. But it's essentially in uh, in a modern box, you know. Like they do have that fuzz aesthetic, but it's it's essentially a modern box. But then there's the people who are more or less trying to make it look really old, right? So they're they're using. If they can, they're using vintage wire. And you have some guys like, you know, who are doing it unbelievably well. And then you have the people who see those guys who try to knock it off and do more or less the same thing. And so you've got all, there's this huge amount of like hammerite fuzz boxes out there right now. And it's fine. It's great. But you can see, it's like, okay, well, we all know more or less who you're imitating here because there was a couple people who did this and have been doing it for years and sell their pedals for $500 and they're sold before they even post them. It's a weird thing. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel bad for, for those people that, that do that and, and just immediately have people ripping off their thing. Cause I know for Kevin, it hit him really hard. It really kind of like, yeah. made him. Yeah. I mean, they sad. say, they say theft is flattery, but when you're being stolen from essentially it's difficult. Yeah. You know? you know, and especially when you're like Kevin, you know, you're putting, 30, 40 Your hours soul into each, box. into each pedal. Yeah. Totally. And yeah, see some other dude doing I it. mean, he assembles them and then takes them apart and then reassembles them and then takes them apart and then reassembles them. There's I so know. many. <laughs> it's just like, what? That means you, you threw, like you can't, with wood, you can only thread. You know, he has to be so careful when he's yep. doing It's amazing. And yeah. he uh, is. We've had, yeah. the crazy Kevin and I have probably had like 20 hours of chat time on, on the phone, just like me trying to like find ways of like, what if we did this and it would save you time in this spot and like just trying to help him out. And he, but he's, he's like, and no matter how good the idea is, no matter how good it would save him time, he's got a process and he's got an artistic vision that he's like locked into. Yeah. No, it's just too, it's too bad that there isn't, there hasn't been the market enough of a market quick enough for that stuff to keep him doing it regularly you know it's it's, it's hard for all of all of you you beauties out there making these killer pedals right like you're working a full-time job yes this is i i work 40 hours a week and then i do this every night like it's another 40 and then (laughs) uh, you know and the thing is is like with custom orders and then the production line like they're like that's why i like to make those little one-offs it's like okay even though like it's like okay sorry guy you're gonna wait another three days because i'm making this weird side project just to keep me sane so i can finish your pedal you know and then you have gomers from canada bringing you on their podcast and wasting your time that could be spent (laughs) pedal building and uh (laughs) well actually tonight i this is i I modded i got a i have an arcade cabinet downstairs like an old vintage arcade thing so it's one of those walmart walmart was liquidating them these arcade up i believe is the brand and so i got a ninja turtles one for 199 dollars from walmart yes. like last like year and i, I love full-size arcade cab it is a full-size arc it had it has like a riser and stuff but yes so oh. it's it, it's a full arcade and it was four player tmnt and it had just the two arcade teenage mutant ninja turtle games and i'm a i've always been like I said, I grew up, 
in 86. So every Saturday when I was a kid, my mom used to have to take our Ninja Turtles costumes and make them bigger each year because that's all we only wanted to be for the first like 15 years of our lives was Ninja Turtles. I mean, like literally till you couldn't be cool and like Ninja Turtles. We liked Ninja (laughs) Turtles. And now you can be an adult and be cool and like Ninja Turtles. So I love Ninja Turtles. But of course, it's only two games. And I got a little bored of it. And I found these people over in Nashville who make mod kits. And so now I just installed it the other day, like two days ago, and haven't had too much time on it. Um, but I'm going to go browse my 6,000 uh, arcade oh, cabinet games oh, downstairs. Oh, man, that's you, so awesome. Uh, Ryan from Dr. Scientist uh, showed us his custom-built arcade. Yep. Yeah, his is amazing. I mean, yeah. he has – so he, his actually – that was what spurred me to do this because I was like – I saw his he, – because he had been working on that for a while, and then he finished and put the lighted marquee and stuff in it. And I was like, <laughs> wait a second. If he, I know he's doing everything from scratch because he codes and all that stuff, but I was like, there has to be some way – for me to essentially like hack this with a, a with a Raspberry Pi, and that's exactly what it is. It's a company yeah. that sends you a Raspberry Pi yep. that's just loaded with the games, and then you just install a new monitor like driver essentially. And I have to say, I mean, name a game, <laughs> it's in there. It's the yeah, craziest it's thing ever. You know, what? I should, I might have to do that. My so if, about a, uh, almost a decade ago now. Holy smokes. Uh, my brother-in-law and I built, uh, we took an old, it was, a, I don't remember the game it was for, but it was an old arcade cabinet and uh, it had been gutted by somebody. My brother-in-law and I took this thing, we built in an, uh, an old, we took an old tube TV and built it into the thing. And then we got one of those like 30 games in one classic arcade <laughs> game joystick, uh, you know, you just RCA inputs into your TV thing. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And we uh, kind of stuffed one of those into it and built my dad an upright arcade machine for Father's Day one year because he, you know, he hasn't been a trucker since the early 80s, but he still every once in a while talks about trucking and playing Galaga on the arcade games. I love so, Galaga. Galaga's yeah. favorite. So it was like so that, was, that was his Father's Day gift one year. But uh, it just occurred to me that he doesn't have that anymore because my parents' house burnt down. Uh, oh right, Jesus! Like a month and a half ago, so that that arcade machine went up with it. Oh, dude, you got to do it. And that's the thing now; he could literally have any game he ever, ever even <laughs> yeah. chanced at. They have Japanese hey, Dad, this games. This is Rainbow Six Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really a video game kind of guy. Like, I like to, like, play music, build stuff. Like, I, I feel like I have to always be making stuff. So video games don't really interest me. Yeah, neither. But they don't yeah, interest either. us either. We don't play PUBG Mobile every day. But go. that's the thing is if I, went, if, if, you, if I went to an arcade or I went somewhere where those games were, for some reason as a kid, like, I was just like, how much money do I have in my pockets? Can I turn into quarters and go use <laughs> it all is, on these oh, machines? Man. Okay, wait, wait. So we were all born in the 80s and we all have this, like, addiction to arcade? Oh, come Weird. on. Weird. <laughs> I mean, so, the, the, I mean, the, the thing is, is, it was magic. The, the Absolutely. Thing too I am about not arguing. You can't save. They, it, no. it, they haven't upgraded it to, like, modern stuff. So there's, you know, there is, I theoretically, you could probably make your Raspberry Pi save the games, but you can't. It's like a normal game. So... <laughs> yeah. Of course, you can. You have unlimited coins, you know, so you can continually. But some games, it doesn't matter if you have unlimited coins. Some games, when you game over, you're starting back at the beginning, yeah. you know, and <laughs> yeah. you can't you can't stay in it. And so I love that. Some of it. the greatest arcade moments were when your three letter anagram got on that top ten. When you Dude. got into that elite mode, you were like, "Oh my god!" You I have to think just about how good those registered were too. on the yeah. But see, but when you were like. 
you know, eight and you're in the arcade in a small town and nobody ever plays the arcade games and you got there, it still <laughs> no, meant no, but something. Even, but even then, to do that, you had to memorize every oh, wrist man. movement yeah, to not hit that one to not hit that one stupid flame that popped up no matter where how you <laughs> jumped over the thing you know like the amount of like actual insane um, uh, obsessive skill that it takes yeah. to actually get your name on an arcade like to actually do better than other people who are popping quarters into it mm-hmm. it is you think about nowadays like you know no offense to the youngins and stuff but the like it is such a such an old they can person they can just say, they can just save and they can put the cheat codes in but uh, it's the, like the nature of gaming has changed so that's true so dramatically you're not trying to you're not trying to swindle quarters from people well, i so i i actually pulled up the star wars the original star wars atari game and i do understand my brain is has been too conditioned by modern tv and commercials to even under because you know it's just like a it's just a few lines on a dark screen that are making up all of the graphics and so it's it's not even pixelated it's it's below pixelated like it's <laughs> you you really have to be like okay that's an x-wing because it's an h and that's a tie fighter because it's two v's and they're they're, they're f- st- doing a strobe light at about like 30 beats per minute right like boop 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 Boop, and you're supposed to like be on like a gunning station hitting it, and it's just like there's no way kids, these kids, anyone who I, my brain can barely handle it for being conditioned away from that and seeing so much. I can't imagine like anything well, on Atari well, nowadays. Well, I, well, I for say these video kids. games I mean, the, the the experience that they're selling to you has changed. They're you know they're they know that you're gonna take this thing home, or these days not even take it home, download the game. Yeah, and yeah. live in it, and, be and in it for. Yeah, you, they have to create a compelling experience or nobody trusts that developer again. Because people follow these developers like they're musicians pumping some. That's yeah. right. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, think, whole... think about the reaction to the whatever the uh, that the ten year development game that has had all these problems, such as Cyberpunk or whatever. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. People they... people bought that ten years ago. Wait, you know they paid for <laughs> yeah. it ten years ago. They're, they're I mean, what the guy was thinking was the art, the whoever, the guy who convinced the first people to put arcade machines in their establishment. The guy probably who agreed to it was probably like, "This isn't going to make money. How? Like, what are you talking about? Kids are going to come in here and put quarters." And then somebody said, "Holy moly, I'm going to start arcades, and I'm going to just like make a store where instead of this being in the diner." three machines i'm actually just gonna like make my whole place this that person must have made so much money so fast because the (laughs) demand the demand like think about it i mean like the demand ramped up to where like kids were just like running with money to the arcades i'm I'm really glad you lose so fast you lose so (laughs) quickly i am really glad that like i i was of the age to catch the the tail end of the yeah the end of the arcade the arcade era because like it's it's in, it's really hard to describe like the the lighting in there and the like the black lights or and the neon smell or nothing. <laughs> well, I'm like you know, people would be claiming the good games, so you'd be over playing like the broke Golden version Axe. of Mario. Yeah, like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's on like Toxic Avengers, and you're like over there playing like just whatever. You know, it's, I love that too. Oh yeah, it was. Some of the games I'm seeing, I'm like, oh, I used to love this one because this was the one that everyone else hated. So it was like, I remember. Oh, I like the 90s when when the good arcades were still clinging on and sega got into really got into the game yeah 
And, you know, like Cruising USA came out. It was just like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah, that game. I remember changed, the lineup outside racing games. of the arcade and like down the yeah. mall hallway. Yeah. Just, there's, it was craziness. And you, you just, there's, I, I hope somewhere out there there's a retro arcade that's just, Full of middle-aged dudes with paunches and bald spots. Just, no, you, you, we have one here in Asheville. Scandia. No, we, we <laughs> yeah. have one here in Asheville, and it's mostly been, young people. There you've is... never been to Scandia? No, no. Oh, man. You, you got one there? We got one here. Yeah, but it's more hip down here. It's like uh, it's like bowling alleys now. You know, you've got your old bowling alleys, the ones that have been around since the 70s that are pretty much just leagues on the weekends. And then you've got your hip bowling alleys where it's all black lights and they're serving food and beer and stuff. The arcades that are popping up now are like that, you know, yeah, they're targeted oh, towards that. the young people. But it's cool because you go in and there's all these people like playing pinball and you're like, oh, hell yeah, I'll play pinball all night. Yeah. Well, there's so there's a thing in uh, kind of about halfway between here and Vancouver in Abbotsford. I guess that's more than halfway from here. Dude, that's exactly the same as Scandia. Castle Fun Park. Castle Fun Park is, is Scandia. It is amazing. Well, I can't go to Scandia because my wife and mother-in-law think it's earned by the hell's angels and they're like no you can't go there it's not okay i don't know so don't, if you matter, so <laughs> the thing about castle fun park yes it's a great arcade and they, but they're all on like credit card system you go load your card you go scan it's your been card a decade since i've right. been there so too, I've, man. I've been there <laughs> within the last five years and it's all like paid it's on a credit card system like you go load your card and then you can just go to any booth, any station around the place. And it's like three floors and crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And you can just like load a card with your debit card. It's really quick. Scandia is still on. You go to the counter and you buy the tokens. Nice. You that's buy, what I want. You buy yeah. the Scandia branded stamped co- tokens and that's what you get to play with. That's, now, that's my jam. They've got everything from the ticket machines where you go like play the actual physical games oh, yeah. right where you can like earn tickets that's the trade way your tickets. man i want, I want to I put a token into a skee-ball machine exactly and, yeah. and there is skee-ball there's all that kind of stuff so there's like a room for that there is a room that where you eat that has a animatronic band <laughs> from like i swear to god 1978 the robots eyes falling out terrible <laughs> it is it is nightmare inducing to everyone under the age of seven that's perfect <laughs> like you gotta go that's to this place amazing. and it, it looks smells and Awesome. It, I, well, I don't even go. care if it's run by the Hell's Angels. I'm going. You got to go. Yeah. You got to go. And it has probably 300 arcade machines. Perfect. At least. At least. <laughs> so good. Oh, my God. Okay. So, Charlie, l- listen, buddy. I, <laughs> you got to come back on the show because I think we owe you a second uh, hangout at least. Cause, <laughs> Sounds good to me. Man, we have wasted a lot of time on this episode. And we got to wrap it up here because I got to get going. All uh, these all these guitar players are like, what are these guys talking about? <laughs> if they listen, listen, if they if listen, they listen to, to the show, show, they know what's going they on. They know. They know. They got to know true. by now. <laughs> they may or may not talk about guitar stuff. Hopefully this isn't the first episode they get on to. Although we started with the SG, so that'll rope a bit. That's that'll, right. that'll suck We did in. talk about pedals, and yep. there was some stuff in there. Um, but before we go, uh, where are the best places people can find you? Uh, Instagram is probably the best because that's where I put out like my one-off stuff that you have to claim really quickly or else it goes. Um, and then cascadepedals.com. And, and for anyone listening, you know, one of my main, the things that I like to do the most is work with individual players to make custom products. So, you know, if you have some idea for some pedal that you want to release, I'm not the guy. But if you want a one-off, exactly what you need, uh, combination pedal, vintage circuits, whatever, I love doing that. And so, um, you know, all those other companies that have told you, we don't do that. I do that. So call me up. 
Cool. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Okay, dude. Uh, it was really awesome rabbit trailing and talking about a million. Yeah, let's do it again sometime. Please. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it was epic. <laughs> uh, dear listeners, thanks for hanging in there as usual. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate it, and we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you.